0: Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to our second episode. I'm your host, Marshall Hicks, and along with my co-host is Kat Knight, we're going to take a look at three fun and sexy vampire movies. I'd like to thank everyone who gave a listen to our first episode, and a big thanks to fellow podcasters who have given us a shout-out. Our friends at Weekly Dictator, and at Yowzers, and at Podzilla. We're all experienced podcasters who know how to put a good show together. If you like what you hear, you can like us on Facebook or subscribe to us on iTunes. You can expect a new episode on the 13th of every month, where we talk about horror movies and all things spooky. And now, episode two of Boys and Goons. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads.
1: Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I
0: know that one of you is a werewolf.
1: Ain't nothing but dead wolf. I want to kill the undead. you Something ever talk to a good. corpse, Satan is our pal. It's
0: boring. Throw the third switch. Not the third switch.
1: Give my creation. Ah! I mean, you know, I've been getting, uh, I got some new headshots taken. That's exciting. In, non- in none of which was I dressed as a vampire. But yeah, no, no real new news for me. What about you?
0: I went to a spook house for the first time. I've been in professional um, like haunts, like where you walk through. Sure. But this is the first time that I was ever in one where you sit in a little car and the little car will take you through it.
1: Where did you go? And why wasn't I there?
0: I was driving through North Hollywood and I saw a carnival.
1: Are you kidding me?
0: And it was already 10 at night, so I thought it was going to close soon. And I was like, Carnival! Carnival, let's go! I thought I'd just go in and get a funnel cake. I really hadn't planned on going on any rides. I didn't see any funnel cakes, but that's okay. Because in the back, was it was called Zombie. Oh, my God. And it had like a huge picture of a zombie in a top hat. There was nothing inside that was as good as its outside but I still paid five bucks to go in.
1: That's so fun. Was it full of all those tight twists and turns that uh, spook houses are, are known to have?
0: I, this was low rent, uh-huh. and maybe they're all low rent. They
1: kind of are. I've, I've only been in one ever, but it was way too much fun.
0: I, I only had the movies to go on, so uh-huh. I thought it would be like, um, I had Ed Wood when, when he goes into the spook house. Sure. And there's like skeletons dropping down going, ha ha
1: ha 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 ha
0: And um, and like like something will will like come out of its coffin and and be like yes, and then you can like see the hydraulics take it exactly back back in. Uh, There was really none of that. Oh yeah, I wasn't scared uh, of any of the effects, Mm -hmm. but I did become afraid that a carny would just up and kill me. I also had uh, the movie Funhouse Uh, to to go in. In Funhouse, the, the Funhouse ride is so big you can set a horror movie in it. Wow, and this was just not. First, I give the, um, the carny who had kind of a a droopy eye and and kind of a marble mouth. Um, I, I gave him, uh, my tickets and I got in the little car and I went through the door and then it was just blackness and I just stopped and sat there and sat there. And I thought, Oh no, I've been marked
1: murder town.
0: I, I, I thought when I went to pay for my tickets, they saw a couple of twenties in my wallet and then, you know how they will, uh, draw a chalk mark on their hand and then clap you on the back and say, "Good luck, buddy."
1: When when has this happened to you before?
0: In the '30s, <laughs> this was common. I,
1: I didn't know. Of that's this, where the term I... "mark" comes from. What, like yeah. a, marked, a marked
0: man? Well, like like, like someone who you, you, you can dupe or try to uh, to cheat is oh, a mark. Oh, wow! And they will uh, pat you on the back, and the chalk will go from their hand to your overcoat, and then okay. as, as as you walk the carnival, then people, uh, other carnies, will see the mark. And pay extra, like, special attention to you. So I was afraid I got marked. It turns out, no, I just wasn't moving because I'm a big man.
1: Were you by yourself in the little car? Is there only room for just you? Yeah, there was only,
0: well, it would have been a tight fit. Sure. And then, in comes the carney with his hood up. And I'm like, uh-oh, here it comes. I'm going to have to fight a carney.
1: You saw that droopy eye glowing No, from I,
0: no, it yeah. was too dark.
1: Oh, God.
0: Too dark. I just saw a shape coming at me.
1: That's even worse. <laughs> and
0: he just went, Right, you're a human ride. And just proceeded to push the cart from behind oh, to give me a kickstart. It's comforting. And then, and then I, I went like three more feet and I activated the first scare, which was like a, a clown skeleton or something that will light up. There's about five rooms and in each one, something will light up and buzz. Like a skeleton or a different skeleton or like a skeleton clown. Mm-hmm. And then you're done. But all of the attractions were behind chicken wire, which oh. was kind of a drag. But I guess it just keeps people from, you know, being like, hey, I punched the skeleton. Yeah, people are buttheads. Yep, so that's me. Went through the spook house for the first time. I'm so jealous. We rise from our graves (laughs) to make men our slaves. When guys climb in our coffins, they never come back. When the moon comes up, we'll take you down. We get our hands on every stiff in the joint. Uh, we chose a topic for this episode, and the topic is vampire strip clubs slash brothels. So I'm going to be calling this one "Ladies of the Night."
1: Ooh, ladies of the night, and the men who love them and are killed by them. I'm subtitling.
0: That's fine. <laughs> Find us on iTunes as just "Ladies of the Night." <laughs> I'm calling this a sub-genre.
1: Yes. I think before we can get into that very specific genre, let's just talk about vampires for a moment. All right. Vampire folklore has gone back for a very, very long time across many cultures, which makes me believe vampires are real. Or at least maybe once were. Maybe not. Let's hope not. The point is, yeah. there. Uh, there's a lot of different mythology that goes along with it, some of which I had never even heard of when I started doing some research. So uh, I found this really fun, this really fun tidbit. Ancient Chinese narratives about vampiric creatures state that if a vampire-like being came across a sack of rice, it would have to count every grain. So that was a way to distract them from, you know, it's kind of like the Chinese version of garlic.
0: Well, you've heard of this before. I haven't. In the X Files episode, which one? The one with Luke Wilson.
1: Oh, oh! Where, didn't he play uh, like a hillbilly? Yeah,
0: where, where the... David Duchovny has to uh, distract the young vampire by dropping a bunch of uh, sunflower seeds.
1: <gasps> oh, I forgot about that. And then
0: he has to pick them all up, and he's like, "Oh, once I pick all these up, you're you're in for it."
1: <laughs> wow, I completely forgot about that. Thank uh, you apparently, for it
0: goes writing. back to your Chinese. It, uh, it does. Ancient, mythology.
1: Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Okay. After I started looking up the history of vampires, I started getting curious about, sort of, what can I find a news story or something about vampires today? And so I just kind of Googled, and uh, I came to a screeching halt at a website called realvampirenews.com. Yep. This website is administered by people who are either a part of what they call the vampire culture. And please, if anyone listening is or knows someone who's a part of this culture, please write in. I want to know who you are.
0: And you can uh, write to us at boysandghouls at gmail.com or Twitter us at boysandghouls at Twitter.
1: So on this website, there's a whole lot of vampire rights. These people live as though they were vampires it's, it's kind of on a spectrum some people are just sort of generally fans of it and some people are completely devoted to the lifestyle
0: yeah around halloween the history channel will show the occasional uh, special on these guys
1: and it's usually just people dressed like gothic kids did when i was in middle school and you know it's like like what hot topic used to be and they're just sort of fans of the style they've got
0: and... cool furniture
1: yeah, they do, and they also have recipes for blood.
0: I saw that you labeled the email recipe for blood, and I was like, got it taken care of. Karo syrup plus red food coloring. Ah, uh,
1: but can little you... bit of chocolate
0: syrup—that's the secret.
1: But does that taste like real blood, Marshall? Because real
0: there blood. Was- Tastes like pennies.
1: This recipe, according to the man who wrote it, is to help calm the cravings that I get, quote, when I am needing a good sanguine feed. The ingredients include one large can of tomato juice, a half gallon of OJ with lots of pulp, Two large bottles of red food color, a bottle of blue food color, hmm. uh, crushed iron tablets to give it that coppery taste, base amino tablets, and salt to taste. And he notes, remember, do not oversalt. Real blood has a minor salt content. And you have to be careful because it's really high in iron, so you can't... But these, these people want to replicate the actual... Flavor of blood. Oh, and this guy also describes that once he makes it, he generally pours it into a goblet and drinks, allowing the imagery to aid in curbing even my most damnable cravings.
0: So if you do that, write into us.
1: I really want to meet this guy. Apparently his handle on this website is Belfazar Ashantasen. I guess that's his vampire name? Sure. Dude, if you're listening, please write us. Please
0: write to Cat. <laughs> please,
1: know. I need to know who you are. Anyway, I just needed to talk about that. Now let's talk about vampire strippers and vampire hookers. Which
0: we have found to take place in three notable films. Vamp, From Dusk Till Dawn, and Tales from the Crypt's Bordello of Blood. All three center around a uh, strip club or brothel in which vampires have set themselves up in to ensnare their victims. It's a pretty good idea.
1: It's a great idea. It's, you know, strip clubs and bordellos are places for ladies of the night and men who want to... Be with them. It makes perfect sense. They're, they're already dens of sin. So vampires fit right in.
0: Hot vampires.
1: Yes. Until they turn into... There are some ugly vampires in all three of these movies. Really ugly. Should we talk... Do you want to talk about these movies chronologically? Does that make sense?
0: Okay, um, starting with Vamp.
1: To how, how did we get to the strip club? Uh, basic plot of this film, Vamp, is that our two heroes, Keith and Vic, I have to note, Robert Russell from A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 that we talked about last episode plays Vic in this film.
0: I now know that I have three Robert Russell movies, Vamp, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and Weird Science, where he played one of the bullies opposite Robert Downey Jr. I have three Robert Russell movies. I have one Meryl Streep movie.
1: So, Keith and Vic, they're two young college boys looking to get into a fraternity, Right.
0: Yep, and they promise this fraternity that they're pledging to find a stripper for a party. And
1: bring her back party. to the party. Which, as we all know, strippers aren't, you know, people with apartments and lives. They'll just sort of, you can just annex them and bring them back with you to your rat party. Yeah, they don't right? have
0: phones. Of course not. You can't call a stripper. You have to go to the city and find a stripper.
1: So co- their college is in the middle of nowhere, so they have to go on this trek to get to the city. And they're, how are they going to get there, though? They don't have a
0: car. Their college is set in, in uh, Kansas. It was filmed in LA. And I think the only reason it's set in Kansas is because then they can have the line that they did use where one says, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore.
1: So these two boys, they, I don't know how they know this incredible nerd that they know. Duncan, played by Getty Watanabe, who is, my goodness, so much fun in this movie.
0: He, uh, he is, and I'm glad you could pronounce his name right.
1: You're welcome. Because
0: I had to go to YouTube to to watch an interview with him mm-hmm. to, to figure out how to say it.
1: I think I did that a long time ago because I wanted to know what Long Duck Dong was like. Uh, you know, Getty Watanabe plays Long Duck Dong in Sixteen Candles. We all know him. What's happening, hot stuff? You know? So I was curious to see him in something else. And in this movie, no accent, no caricature of this, you know, Asian... It, he's just great but he still manages to be the comic relief
0: i would just like to thank the writers and producers for once they cast him to resist the temptation to have a scene where say a vampire bites duncan and then says funny thing about eating chinese you're hungry half an hour later
1: oh my goodness
0: or that when they first go to the uh, the after dark club uh he doesn't go hey guys i'll take one from column a and one from column b there was none of that it was all just about the character being. Uh, Rich but um wanting companionship.
1: And so Vic and Keith they enlist the help of Duncan. Because Duncan has
0: a car. So
1: they set off in the car for the big city and they get into a little scuffle when they arrive there and sort of uh, these ancillary characters are you know interesting but i don't know it, it didn't really do a whole lot for me they, they run they're in a cafe before the and well, they're waiting for the after dark club to open because they know this is where they're gonna find the strippers and they kind of get into some trouble with some street urchins
0: they run afoul a gang of albinos basically <laughs> yeah. a, a mixed albino and non-albino gang mm-hmm. They drive around in a hearse in the bad area of this unnamed Kansas town.
1: And street urchins, which kind of blows my mind. These people have, like, switchblades.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're like, not...
1: don't mess with us. And, you know, grabs them by the balls. And suddenly, you know, they've succeeded against these crazy street people. Well, they're not
0: really street urchins and, like, with fingerless gloves selling matches. They're not Dickensian. Well, they're, that's true. You know, they're thugs.
1: I guess it's all the fancy 80s hair kind of just... Uh, I don't know if I could call them thugs, especially not because they were overpowered by some presumably college freshmen. (laughs) It's funny to me. The guy says it's
0: just down the street, but the ad says that the club won't open until after dark. What the hell that means? Well, it's dark. Yeah, but is it after dark? No, but I definitely think it's dark. But it might have just turned dark. Well, how are you supposed to
1: know the exact moment it's dark? I mean, if we knew that, we'd wait a few seconds, and it'd be after dark, right? So when's that? I don't know. So, Marshall, the year was 1996.
0: In January of 96, we got From Dusk Till Dawn.
1: Oh, my goodness. I cannot say enough good things about this movie.
0: From Dusk Till Dawn was written by Quentin Tarantino, was directed by Robert Rodriguez. Tarantino has a a part in it as Richie Gecko, opposite George Clooney's Seth. Seth Gecko. The two of them have robbed a bank, and now they're trying to cross into Mexico before going to El Rey the never seen land of criminals.
1: I watched a little bit of this movie with commentary. They talk about how the script was rewritten and how originally the character of Richie Gecko, uh, Quentin Tarantino's character, had a lot more to say and do and that as it sort of evolved he remained a little bit more silent he was a little bit more of a mystery and then of course you learn he's quite a bit more sadistic than george clooney's seth character in fact george clooney's character is kind of like the criminal with morals he Mm. will he will murder you real hard but only if he has to and i like that about him
0: i read the original script Oh. The guy who would come to my local mall to sell movie memorabilia sold screenplays and had it in there as From Dusk Till Dawn, an unproduced Tarantino script.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: So I bought it and I took it home. And you're right. The character of Richie and Seth were just kind of like wisecrackers. Yeah. They're always cracking wise. There was no killer rapist angle for Richie. And he certainly did talk a lot more. That's
1: terribly interesting. So
0: Tarantino went back and removed most of his what would have been his lines.
1: Right. In the opening scene of From Dust Till Dawn, so Seth and Richie are on their way to Mexico. They've gotten into a little bit of a scrape in a liquor store kind of on the side of the highway. And we open with this Texas Ranger played by Michael Parks.
0: Texas Ranger Earl McGraw.
1: Who shows up again in both Tarantino and Rodriguez's Grindhouse films as the same character in
0: Kill Bill Volume 2. There
1: it is. He's an incredible, just a really slick ticket.
0: Well, I went into this movie, uh, or this, when I read the script for this, I went into it completely cold. So I thought that it was a movie about the Texas Ranger. And then all of a sudden, no, it's about these two criminals. Which sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Because then you think, think it's a getaway crime thriller. And then you reach about the halfway point. And it's a horror movie. That's right. And there's vampires. There are no hints to it. There's no bit where they're reading the newspaper, watching the news, when they're like, strange bodies have been found with puncture marks on the neck.
1: Neck wounds. No, it's
0: all about their trying to flee to Mexico and their relationship with the family they've kidnapped.
1: Yes. After Seth and Richie waste Michael Parks and, and the other actor in the liquor store, and of course Seth is really mad at Richie for inciting that violence because he didn't want to kill anybody, they are staying at a, at a no-tell motel on their way to try to get to Mexico, and they kidnap a family, Harvey Keitel, Juliet Lewis, and what's the name of the... Ernest Liu. Ernest Liu, who play his children, and Harvey Keitel is a preacher who's lost his faith. Because his wife has
0: died, right? lost his faith, got a Winnebago. (laughs) And it's that Winnebago that they need to take them across the border in a very tense scene. Oh, yes. Where they're almost discovered by a border patrolman played by Cheech Marin in one of three roles that he plays.
1: (laughs) He is all over this movie.
0: By this point, Seth and the Harvey Keitel character have reached an uneasy understanding of each other. And have decided to um, ride this one out. And that takes them to the Titty Twister.
1: They get all the way to the Titty Twister. At which point we see another character. The second of the three characters. The
0: second Cheech Marin known as Chet Pussy.
1: (laughs) He gives a delightful speech about all the different kinds of... Oh, I'll say it. Pussy. You
0: (laughs) you can hear that (laughs) cheat You can hear that speech on the soundtrack.
1: It's incredibly offensive, but just so funny it's relentlessly offensive so it just turns funny um yeah they arrive at the titty twister the, um they seth and richie are ready to have a relaxing evening of drinking and, and breasts in their faces while they wait on the guy who's coming to take his cut of the money that they got from robbing the bank so they can be on their merry way to El elray so they're made in the shade all they they're have to do is to get through the night gotta make it to the morning that's all they gotta do
0: at this bar that's open from dusk till dawn
1: All right, Pussy! 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 Come on in, pussy lovers! Here
0: at the Titty Twister, we're slashing pussy in half! Give us an offer on a vast selection of pussy! This is a pussy blowout! In August of 1996, Tales from the Crypt made its second of what was supposed to be three movies. The first one was Demon Knight. The second one was Bordeaux of Blood, which didn't do that great, and there was no third. But Corey Feldman's
1: in it. How could it not be great?
0: Yeah, this this movie did a little bit of stunt casting, brought in Corey Feldman, who was in The Lost Boys, and brought in Chris Sarandon from Fright Night.
1: And who also played Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride.
0: As long as we're giving his resume, <laughs> yes. he also played the voice of Jack Skellington.
1: That's right. I always forget that. He's pretty great.
0: I went to Monster Palooza a couple weeks ago, yes. and uh, he was there as, along with uh, most of the cast of Fright Night. Really? They were all signing autographs in a row with David Naughton. Was
1: Amanda Bierce there? Amanda Bierce was there. Oh my goodness.
0: And I always feel a little weird being around the people who are selling their autographs if I'm not buying, Uh because it's like watching a street musician, but not paying. (laughs) It's just by standing there, I'm getting a a little something for free. Sure. But they were all parked by the bathrooms and the gal I was with went in and she was in there for a really long time because she was taking pictures of the light fixtures. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Sounds like something I would do.
0: Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, I just had to like stand around and steal glances at these uh, horror icons, all of which I like, none of which I want to pay 20 bucks to talk to. Right. Meanwhile, in the, uh, in the main showroom, there were figures made, two sets of figures. There was Boris Karloff with a life-size figure of makeup artist Jack Pierce applying the mummy makeup. Cool. And then next to it was half werewolf David Naughton life-size figure sitting in a makeup chair. With a life-sized circa 1980 Rick Baker applying makeup to him. I had my picture taken in, in front of the fake Naughton, but left the real one alone.
1: Yeah, like you do. That's fun. That's yeah. so fun. So
0: Chris Sarandon plays... Um,
1: Televangelist Reverend J.C. Current. Yeah, J.C., like Jesus Christ. It's uh, a little on the nose, but all right, whatever. We'll take it.
0: I'm glad and not surprised you picked up on that. <laughs>
1: So he plays a reverend in the world of this film in which the main storyline is that Erica Eleniak, yep. who, who played Ellie Clampett in the movie version of the TV show the Beverly Hillbilly. and I know her, I always think of her as a Playboy model. I don't know why. She was on Baywatch. She's done plenty of did work. Did she
0: actually do Playboy? She
1: did. I'm pretty sure I've seen her top. She
0: played a Playboy model in Under Siege.
1: All right. Well, I'm almost positive. But she does a fine job in this movie. She was an E.T. E. As as anyone can. She was an E.T. Wasn't her title like pretty girl or something? She's a
0: pretty girl a that girl. Elliot kisses uh, when he's mind melding with E.T. Who's watching The Quiet Man. She
1: is really pretty, even through the 1996 hair. But so, her character, she gets in a fight with her brother, played by Corey Feldman, who's just a rebel and a half, covered in piercings and leather jacket and, you know, all of that good stuff. He gets mad and sets off for the night and she, uh oh no, he doesn't come back. And she's worried about him. So.
0: Uh, He goes out that night and at the bar, there's a guy with a Crypt Keeper tattoo. This movie is pretty tongue in cheek. There's the Crypt Keeper tattoo. There's a Demon Knight poster in Corey Feldman's room. And at one point, Dennis Miller is overheard to say, I feel like I'm in a bad Tales from the Crypt episode. Yep. Which is yes. inaccurate. He was in an overlong Tales from the Crypt episode.
1: I think I'll agree with him too, though, that it's bad. I am not a fan. This movie was just, it was hard to slog through for me.
0: Hopefully it's, it's aged well into campiness.
1: <laughs> Only a little bit. There's, I love Corey Feldman. I think he does a great job. It's fun to see him play a vampire after, you know, knowing him from Lost Boys. I get all of that. But the campiness factor just doesn't quite gel for me. And there's a lot of it that's just plain terrible.
0: Does it help that Dennis Miller is now a conservative commentator? and so now it's kind of like watching Ronald Reagan in Bedtime for Bonzo.
1: That's kind of fun. Sure, I'll look at it that way. That that helps me a little. Thank you, Marshall.
0: Sure. Dennis Miller, he does play a down-on-his-luck private eye. He doesn't dress like a down-on-his-luck private eye. He dresses like a late 80s, early 90s comedian, which makes sense because Dennis Miller is a late Late 80s, 80s, early early 90s 90s comedian. comedian. (laughs) Uh, He's got the jeans and suede jacket. It's basically the uniform Mm -hmm. of the uh, late 80s stand-up. So following his trail, Dennis Miller runs into the same guy at the bar who's like, I know where you can get laid.
1: Very good impression. Thank, thank you.
0: And then <laughs> the he, best
1: you've ever seen. Why they do suddenly... things there's
0: not even names for. Mine
1: was like a, like Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Did you
0: know, hey, Stat Calhoun. <laughs>
1: So Dennis Miller finds his way to this bordello, but when we first go there with Corey Feldman and see him disappear along with his friend, first of all, the bordello is, is secret, and it is kind of in the basement of a mortuary.
0: Much like the uh, the speakeasy in Some Like It Hot, oh. it is hidden in a funeral home. Yes. You need the, uh, the code word to get in, but in this one, you, uh, you have to get in a casket, and then they push you through a secret trap door. And from there into the Bordello.
1: I have to share a couple of one-liners from this movie. Oh, I
0: I wrote a bunch down. I'm going
1: to kick us off. First of all, when Corey Feldman and his companion first make it down into the Bordello, immediately they are set upon by a couple of really sexy, topless vampires. I just wrote
0: down boobs. 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 Wait, I think, so, I, wrote, I think exclamation point. So many
1: boobs, including a, a stripper. Or I'm a, sorry.
0: No, I wrote boobs, 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 but I capitalized it.
1: Oh, are you referring to the three-nippled vampire? All three of her nipples are pierced. Three pierced that. nipples. Uh, but one of the first prostitutes approaches and uh, asks, Corey Feldman's friend, how would you like to take the Skin Express to Tuna Town? Now, if that's not the most crass thing I've ever heard... I capitalized Tuna
0: in Town as if it was a real place.
1: One of my other favorite things is uh, Angie Everhart, who's this gorgeous model, and she's been working for years and years. She still works to this day. She plays the head vampire in this brothel. Her name is Lilith, and she's quite ancient. She has a penchant for ripping people's hearts out of their chests and eating them. She doesn't just drain the blood. She wants to eat the heart. And she, after she pulls her first heart out in this movie, she says, Don't eat your heart out, baby. That's my job. She, Which I, 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 I have to admit, I, I love it. That's so silly. Another favorite, she takes a bite out of a heart and she goes, vegetarians. I hate vegetarians. Hands the heart to one of the other prostitutes and says, this Bud's for you. Which doesn't even make sense, but I appreciate it.
0: Maybe the guy's name was Bud.
1: We'll choose, to, we'll that's, choose that That's that a narrative. thinker.
0: All three of these establishments, from Vamp to Bordel of Blood and From Dusk Till Dawn, they've all got their queen, Vampyrus. Let's compare and contrast them. Gentlemen, I give you Katrina. Starting with Vamp.
1: Starring uh, who as the lead vampire who does a very strange piece of performance art, Marshall?
0: Grace Jones.
1: Her name is Katrina. They just call her Katrina.
0: Grace Jones plays the lead queen vampire who uh, used to be an Egyptian queen turned vampire, kind of like Queen of the Damned, but is now just queen of the strip club and comes out for her set that's not so much sexy as it is...
1: I described her as being dressed like a geisha from outer space.
0: Grace Jones has no lines. She's not a foreign actress. I don't know where... She's
1: from Jamaica, but she speaks, you know, She speaks English.
0: English plenty well. I've uh-huh. heard her talk. She sings the closing credits song, yeah. which may have been called Vamp. It felt like the kind of song that takes the name of the movie. Mm-hmm.
1: I think they wanted to let her beautiful and stunning looks speak for themselves. She anyways. does
0: a lot with just her eyes and the occasional laugh. Mm-hmm. And expressions and her body.
1: Yes, that body. My goodness.
0: But never talks. Nope. <sighs> it's not weird that she doesn't talk, but it is weird that I'm pretty sure that character can talk, just doesn't. Yeah. And now, for your viewing pleasure, the mistress of the macabre,
1: the epitome of evil, the most sinister woman to ever dance on the face of this earth.
0: Fight this,
1: lonely dog. Bow your head. Kneel and worship at the feet of Santanico Pandemonium.
0: Now the queen of the titty twister in From Dusk Till Dawn was played by Salma Hayek. Mm -hmm. She is Satanico Pandemonium.
1: Marshall, do, do you want to know more about Santanico Pandemonium? I do. Because I've got some information. There's an entire backstory to the character that Salma Hayek plays. And this backstory comes from a direct-to-video sequel from Dust Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter.
0: I saw part two. I never saw part three. Now, you asked me to come up with one. Yeah, go for it. Okay, hold on a second. Well, what do
1: you think Santanico Pandemonium's story is? And then I'll tell you what her real story is.
0: I wrote it down, like a worksheet. Oh
1: my goodness, I'm so excited. It's like homework, but fun.
0: Well, I, I don't know where where she came from, like her origin. I believe that she, I wrote, she was imprisoned in a Mayan pyramid, and then the pyramid was buried, so she'd never escape. But in the 1900s, as American concerns were drilling for oil in Mexico, the temple was discovered and unearthed by unsuspecting roughnecks. I believe she then feasted on them, and then, um established herself a nice strip bar to lure more men in.
1: That's incredible.
0: But if it was back in the day, it would have been like, Hey guys, come to the Titty Twister. There's plenty of girls here. Look at them gams.
1: And and there's also liquor to drink too.
0: Got some hooch. (laughs) Got some John Barley corn up in here. We're open from dusk till dawn.
1: (laughs) Oh, it sounds so charming. Okay, so, Santanico Pandemonium, her real name was Esmeralda. Her story goes, she was born Esmeralda in Mexico in 1894.
0: I'm guessing Selma Hayek didn't come back to reprise the role in part three.
1: I don't believe she did. So, she was the daughter of the hangman in town and the high priestess vampire. But she knew nothing about her mother or what had happened to her mother. Uh, Instead, she was raised by her father. I guess mother had disappeared Her father was a local hangman with an eerie past, and during Esmeralda's childhood, the father attempted to kill her on several occasions, but she kept coming back. I guess Dad knew she was a vampire and was trying to, you know, rid the world of her.
0: An unholy thing.
1: In 1913, when Esmeralda was 19 years old, she was kidnapped by Johnny Madrid, a local outlaw, after a daring gallows escape with the help of Reese, an American outlaw. With the hangman uh, and a local posse on their trail, the gang went to a whorehouse, which would later become the Titty Twister, to stay safe. So Esmeralda it's then it's just a
0: coincidence that it's the, the top part of a half-buried Mayan temple. I, I
1: think so. See, uh, I
0: included the Mayan temple in my backstory. You
1: did. They didn't. It but says... nobody
0: called me to write part three.
1: Soon after they <laughs> hid out to stay safe, Esmeralda discovered the truth of her heritage after... See, I don't know, whoever wrote this, it's not written incredibly well, but it probably someone, a fan wrote this. But right. bottom line is, I she's was wrong. real old and your story's better. That's I that's think so. Wicked.
0: Well, in mine, she's ancient. Because mm-hmm. I, I just assumed that she'd be tied in with a temple. Yes. But in yours, she's just old. She's just kind of old. Just, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, a little over a hundred.
0: Okay. Well, whereas um, Katrina in Vamp is at least as old as Egyptian times. Mm-hmm. And then the queen character in uh, Bordello of Blood*, Lilith. uh Lilith. She is likewise ancient.
1: She's very. She's incredibly.
0: Unclear how ancient she is, but she does come out of the grave, resurrected, with a good understanding of English, and an American accent. After she she rips a guy's head off, she says.
1: Yeah, I just love a man who gives you head and lets you keep it.
0: So, um... It really didn't slow her down being that old.
1: No. And there's the aspect of vampires that I've never seen before that's in Bordello of Blood, which is Lilith, in order to keep her dead, or as dead as she can be, you have to separate her heart into four pieces and keep them separate. When you reunite them, you have there's a, like a talisman of sorts. There's this thing that controls her. So if you have this and well, you put the her Well, the
0: talisman, skin, that was... From
1: Demon Knight. From
0: Demon Knight. Did, yeah. did you see that?
1: No, I read about this. Apparently it was supposed to be a sort of talisman that's in all three of these Tales from the Crypt films. Right, but the third movie never got made.
0: Yes, it, it was an object that was purported to hold the blood of Christ.
1: Yeah, and that makes uh, Lilith the ancient vampire your slave for as long as you possess it. The vampires in the other two films we're talking about weren't nobody's
0: slave. Getting into the, the clubs themselves, the club in Vamp is just a dingy, rundown. Strip club. Kind of one of those depressing... Ugh. The
1: clientele you'd expect, like, middle-aged dudes. Kind of hiding out from their families, enjoying some naked ladies.
0: Yeah, their whole thing was attract people who wouldn't be missed. Right. Just, just kind of low lives who can wander in, get their blood sucked, and nobody misses them. There's even a line in it where um, they announce, Single guys, $1 drink all night.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually, I kind of made this connection in Vamp... They are seeking out those people who won't be missed. And the owner, one of the older men who kind of owns the place, makes the point to the Keith character that they're doing the world a favor by getting rid of these. These people are the scum of the earth, so it's really fine if they're killing them. And the same kind of concept is going on in Bordello of Blood, except that Mm -hmm. the preacher character, he's kind of under contract with the vampires... As a tool to rid the world of sinners and fornicators. He wants to lure them into this bordello and kill them because yeah. he thinks that's the the Lord's work.
0: And when you take a step back, it doesn't really make sense. But I'm the story really. is the televangelist has gone through great trouble to bring an ancient vampire back to life so she can set herself up in a secret-ish bordello so that she can rid the world of sinners one at a time.
1: It seems a little overly complicated, but...
0: There's probably better ways to go about it. And then, <laughs> and then there's a line that might even be looped where they say that they can get a lot of money by selling the cars of the um, people they've killed. They, yeah. they kind of throw that one away, but I think there must have been a test screening where someone wrote on a card, why? <laughs> why any of this?
1: So all three of these institutions ultimately meet a sort of demise. Should we talk about that?
0: Yeah. They messed with the wrong people. Yep. In Vamp, it's kind of involved. Of the two guys that go there, one of them gets bitten. He gets his blood drained by, by Grace Jones in a long, sexy in quotes, scene. Yeah,
1: so much licking. She just licks his chest for like a solid minute, which is a long time to watch someone just lick a chest.
0: Yeah, as Ricky Jay said in Boogie Nights, it's technically sexy. <laughs> And then uh, rips out his throat. And that's the first bit of gore in the movie. And it's, it's pretty, pretty effective. It's pretty
1: brutal. Yeah. She doesn't really just bite him. It's not a puncture wound situation. It's tearing of the neck. Ripping and tearing.
0: And and she, uh, she transforms. She's one of those vampires that uh, not only gets fangs, but gets a bit of a forehead crinkle. Yeah. And her eyes change. So Keith had just long enough to go, whoa, before getting his neck ripped out.
1: But the hostess... A really dainty, cute little Asian girl who took the Vic character back to the back because she assumes he's there alone. She's made a big mistake and she's going to yeah. pay for it big because Keith starts to worry about his friend. He's like, oh my gosh. So he starts asking around, at which point they're going, oh no, we got a problem. This guy wasn't alone. His friend's looking for him. And the Asian girl goes to the back to apologize to Katrina. And uh, of course she dies.
0: There's a lot of hearts getting ripped out in all three of these movies. A lot of heart. Her heart gets ripped out as punishment in uh, from dusk till dawn a vampire heart gets ripped out and and what's, i'm considering one of my favorite vampire kills uh-huh where the character frost played by fred williamson oh fred williamson fred who
1: i believe directed vegas vampires he did yeah <laughs> fred williamson uh black exploitation star and then he was also he also played football for a
0: couple of played teams. football he was in the uh, the, the movie mash mm-hmm. but in from dusk till dawn he reaches into a vampire's chest rips out the heart the vampire still doesn't die grabs a pencil, stabs the heart. Apparently, the the rule is you don't really need to have the heart in the chest to stab it with a stake. It's
1: it's highly entertaining.
0: Yeah, it gets done at the end of the day. And then a little bit later, there's a showdown between four main remaining men. Frost, Sex Machine, played by Tom Savini as a biker.
1: Tom Savini, who's one of the best makeup artists of our time. We have to shout out to him. He's so amazing. And why is uh, is his character's name Sex Machine?
0: Because he has a codpiece. Nice which, which will flip down and a gun will appear in in lieu of genitals
1: big old gun penis really really fun
0: in that showdown it's him george clooney harvey keitel and frost each of them with a weapon frost holds a pencil mm-hmm. as he goes after his vampire
1: and uh in all three of these movies kind of these houses of sin and and death are all kind of trying to keep it pretty quiet what's going on there you know i mean otherwise you know word would get around but you know the in Bordello of blood they're taking the guys into they're separate them they bring them into rooms then they kill them in vamp they take them in the back and then they kill them in From Dusk Till Dawn, well, we don't really get to see how things normally go. We assume that's kind of the situation. These truckers who stop at this strip club kind of get quietly taken into a back room and killed. But we don't really see this aspect of their operation because nope. George Clooney and the gang have pissed off the front door people and, and all hell basically just breaks loose. There's a bar fight that turns into everyone turning into vampires. All, you know, everyone who works there, all the strippers just turn into gnarly vampires That's how they get into the biggest pickle any one of them has ever been
0: in. There's a fight. A character gets stabbed. The first sign that something's a little wrong is that the blood on the knife is green. Yeah. There's a close-up, and you're like, huh, green blood knife. That's not right. And then the guy who was stabbed sits up, and he's a vampire. Ah! And if you didn't know from the poster, now you're in a vampire movie.
1: I think my favorite, one of my favorite kills in From Dusk Till Dawn is uh, a quadruple kill. It's when there's an overturned table, so all four table legs are sticking up. And they end up throwing four strippers on, you know, each of them gets a table leg through the heart and they're just like lying there writhing, topless and dead. And it's really fun. But but that's what's so shocking about From Dusk Till Dawn is, I mean, I wish I could go into it not knowing anything because you really don't know that it's a vampire movie. And then suddenly it's the most vampire you've ever seen. It's so much vampire just in your face.
0: Reading the script, I had no idea it was a vampire movie. I got to page 60. All of a sudden, vampires... I was puzzled. I, I actually looked at the cover again, which just said from dusk till dawn. So I was like, well, it doesn't say the great vampire adventure, <laughs> but okay, I'm with it. But my initial thought was it's going to go crazy. Like I didn't know it would just be vampires from there to the end. I thought it was going to be like vampires and cowboys and then Nazis show up sure. and then spacemen with aliens and ray guns. Right. I thought it was going to look like, like the end of time bandits with just, and then Roman gladiators come. Cause once you introduce vampires, it's like, well, all bets are off.
1: Uh, but going back to Vamp in 86, where did things go wrong?
0: Keith is trapped and is, is apologized to. They say, hey, we're going to have to kill you.
1: They're friendly about it.
0: They're, though. they're, yeah, they're, they're like, and... we
1: killed your friend. We can't let you go, really.
0: Yeah. You or the waitress. In Vamp, there's a non vampire waitress.
1: Amaretto. She, it's, she's new, so she's not a vampire. Yeah, yet. she's
0: like, my name's Amaretto. Not really.
1: Just kidding. My name's Allison. And don't you remember me? We used to play Spin the Bottle together. She's so completely oblivious to everything that's going on. All she wants is for Keith to like her and think she's cute and pretty.
0: Yeah, she's been working in a vampire club for like a week. Yeah. And had no idea. No idea. Yeah. So he's like, we got to kill you. And then uh, the, his wheels start turning. And he says, well, how about a, a last drink? Give me some brandy. Three big brandies.
1: <laughs> What's he going to do with those brandies?
0: Slowly slosh them around the, the whole club. Yep. Just kind of walk around. He was given kind of free reign of the club. Yeah. Under the understanding that like, after last call, we're, we're going to kill you. Yeah.
1: So he sploops a little bit of brandy on the one vampire. Oops! Oh no, there's a some little on bit on the floor. floor and
0: over by the pool table and by the payphone, and, and then it's
1: time to set it on fire. It
0: all gets set on fire.
1: He meets his friend Vic after he's turned into a vampire. So at this point, Keith knows that Vic is a vampire, and Vic sort of didn't he tell him? uh setting him on fire you
0: gave him a few rules before sending him on his way
1: who gave vic the writer who told him okay so we turned you into a vampire uh 15 minutes ago here are all the rules make sure you don't tell anybody he had to watch a film somehow yeah he must have watched an introductory like you know your body and vampirism you know kind of like a puberty videos from you
0: should avoid fire (laughs) and sunlight
1: yeah, does that, like, how does he know all this stuff? But it's it's a very useful piece of information. Professor, what my.
0: about Holy Water? Well, that differs from movie to movie. Has <laughs> anybody
1: here read a real book about vampires, or are we just remembering what some movie said?
0: I mean a real book. You mean, you mean like a time-life book? I take it the answer is no. Uh, holy Water does work well in From Dusk Till Dawn. The preacher character is called upon to bless a lot of Holy Water, but only works if he gets his faith back. So he blesses both water guns full of holy water, as well as condoms, which serve as like water balloons. And they get all
1: these, they they get the water guns and the condoms and everything else that they're using from these crates and boxes that are in this back room that they're holed up in to try to fend off the vampires in from dawn. And these boxes are presumably from the trucks, from all the truckers that have been killed. So they have all this merchandise that came off the trucks
0: including a crossbow
1: yeah, which which
0: came in handy also convenient in vamp it just so happens that and i need your help who's who's the vampire who's not uh
1: who's not a vampire yeah uh
0: keith keith Keith? all right i'm I'm gonna remember it by vic starts with v and he's a vampire vampire keith is a non-vampire okay it just so happens that keith is an expert archer oh yeah which they set up while he's just clowning around in, in his dorm room and shoots an apple off of a mini fridge.
1: You gotta remember that for a long time before it pays off in that movie though.
0: And then later he's walking past a a, a pawn shop and and sees the the bow and arrow Mm -hmm. he's like, perfect.
1: And weirdly, you know, when he and Allison slash Amaretto make their way out of the club sort of to escape, the city sort of beats them back. It's like the city is number one abandoned except for our criminals from earlier and a band of vampire children. And the lighting, it's like it's, it's like pink lighting and yellow lighting and bright green lighting.
0: Everything is either neon pink or neon green. When he goes into the sewer, it's neon pink and neon green. When he goes out into the street streets buildings a block away are bright green it's just crazy unmotivated colors yeah and always pink or green
1: the city's alive like you know they go to a hotel to try to find somebody who can tell him how to find his friend and the elevator attacks him like right he almost dies beginning of resident evil style
0: for a bar full of vampires resorting to an elevator to kill someone Seems like going out of your way. It's
1: pretty bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. In From Dust Till Dawn, there is a really fun rock and roll montage of George Clooney and the gang getting weapons ready to attack these vampires. And Harvey Keitel has already been bitten, unfortunately. But he says, I'm going to fight with you until the bitter end, but you have to promise to kill me once I turn. And, of course, his kids have a hard time doing that. We also, in in Bordeaux of Blood, I know you wanted to talk about that montage, which is really fun, which is less of a preparation montage and more of just a killing spree montage set to Ballroom Blitz, right?
0: It starts like the Terminator, Mm -hmm. but this time it's Dennis Miller.
1: Oh, boy, a wise crackin' Dennis Miller. He's always got a joke in the back
0: Shows up with his lowbrow, highbrow references (laughs) that, that he's so good at. With uh, super soakers full of holy water.
1: Which immediately, when, when just a tiny bit sprayed on these vampires in Bordello of Blood, lights them d- immediately on fire. They
0: just catch on fire,
1: just burn up.
0: The best vampire kill, I'd have to say, in uh, Bordello of Blood it, it involves just the lower half of a vampire oh, woman yeah. just sort of walking around. Like the legs in that Herbie Hancock video.
1: It's true. That was cartoonishly gruesome. That was really fun. And the vampires in... I'm trying to remember in vamp...
0: They just burn.
1: They just burn. Some of
0: them burn. Some of them get out. But there's a second scene in the sewers. The first scene is him running from the albino gang. And the second time he's back in the sewers to get away from vampires. Vampires. And stumbles upon their off-site slumber chambers, which includes a bunch of coffins and the ancient Egyptian sarcophagus. (laughs) So he uh, he finds himself like, wow, I just escaped a bar full of vampires. And now I'm in a sewer full of vampires. (laughs) So he just hides behind a drum full of gasoline, something flammable. Not really motivated, but I'll just say they have a generator down there because what else is going to make all of those bright pink and green lights?
1: You're giving them so much credit.
0: So he waits for everyone to fall asleep and then just tips the barrel over, lights it on fire, thereby ridding the Kansas... Well, not Kansas City, but the Kansas City. City
1: in Kansas. The,
0: the city in Kansas of its vampire population. All but one, though. Katrina is uh, the last vampire left in vamp- in the sewer. Allison gets separated from Keith and uh, Katrina's, sort of holding her hostage with no demands. Nope. Cause she can't talk <laughs> or can talk, but doesn't
1: threatening eyes Just, is what she has to work with.
0: A lot of this.
1: She does that well.
0: Yeah. So he's got uh, his archery skills, but that comes up a little short, but the sun is coming up over the sewer and now the logistics of this aren't making sense because it's a sewer
1: why is there like wooden slatting above
0: yeah they they must be through
1: which the sun can shine Hmm. i've never been to kansas so we don't know what it's like the
0: wooden streets of kansas (laughs) it's a thing so he just starts poking up at the wood that's blocking the sunlight he traps her in between shafts of sunlight and then finishes her off with more sunlight Mm -hmm. she falls apart and then her skeleton corpse gives him the middle finger so
1: she dies and keith and allison make their way out of the sewer but oh wait
0: it's vic vic Vic, who we thought was dead because rather than be a vampire he chose to take his own life by uh taking a stake in the heart points out that the stake wasn't wood but rather for micah was it it for for micah So conveniently,
1: uh, he's still, uh, well, he's not alive, but he's, uh, he's actively undead, undead. And has got
0: a better attitude about it now. He's left the movie saying, you know what? I'm just going to go to night school and get a, a night job.
1: Yeah. Third, this is fine. Work the graveyard shift. I'm going to
0: work around this being a vampire.
1: Yuck, yuck, yuck. What happens to Duncan? Oh, well, he turns into a vampire too. Poor
0: that Duncan. was really scary to me when I first saw this movie, uh, age 10. Oh, Yeah. Because he's one of those vampires that doesn't know he's a vampire. I'm
1: just, he's hungry. He's
0: hungry. He's like, I'm they're they are trying to flee from the uh, pursuing vampires. They make it back to their car. And he's like, oh, I'm really hungry, man. And, like,
1: we'll get you some pizza yeah. when we get back to school. Don't worry about it. We'll get you pizza. You can wait, right?
0: Yeah. And then he, he checks, checks the rear view. He's like, I'm really hungry. But in the rear view mirror, there's no one in the back seat. Crap. Crap, crap, crap. Ah! They spin out. They get out of the car, which is now on fire because of the spin out. Yeah. Experience. That's how that's how cars catch on yeah, fire It's don't,
1: like the 7th law of thermodynamics.
0: Don't spin out people because <laughs> whoever's in the back seat, vampire or not, will then burn. Catch fire. And it's it's really it's sad. It it's sad funny. when when we died. We like
1: Duncan. Yeah, he just wanted I mean, I he can't believe we forgot to his mention friends. his death before. He was offering to help, he was trying to make some new friends, he was, you know, making friends with all the people in the strip club, having some beer just
0: Probably had he lived would have considered it like the the best night of college.
1: Absolutely, but alas, we lost him. And Keith and Allison, you know, presumably live happily ever after.
0: Yeah, after that situation. This has been one wacky night. Uh, now, in the um, in the original script for From Dusk Till Dawn, which I read and later had stolen from me. Oh, yeah, that hurt. I took it into uh in, into film school to show it off, and then someone said, "Oh." I like this.
1: I hope that person got eaten by vampires.
0: I was really mad. I didn't realize that in the not-too-distant future, scripts would just be available online to look at. Right.
1: (laughs) Still, to have that Yeah.
0: Okay. So, there's a few changes from first draft to second. Mm -hmm. This this script was written in around 1990 for special effects artist Robert Kurtzman. It was written for Robert Kurtzman sort of in exchange for his help with the severed ear in Reservoir Dogs uh he's credited as one of the writers uh which contributions were his and which were Tarantino's I don't know but I will say that in the original draft that I read one the uh Ezekiel 25:17 is brought into play Ezekiel 25:17 really it's used when the uh when the Harvey Keitel character is sort of left on his own and is trying to fend off vampires he starts reciting it to help fend them off.
1: That's so much fun. Now I'm willing to bet uh, one of the parts that this special effects artist contributed to the script is the part where one of the vampires turns into a giant hound of hell.
0: That's true. It's like a giant rat.
1: A giant rat dog thingy.
0: I can tell you yeah. what I do remember. There's a little aside when they lock themselves in the supply room. Uh-huh. They find a passage into the Aztec temple. Really? This is their, in, in the Rodriguez version, you find out it was an Aztec t- temple at the very, very, very end when it pulls out into a long shot. Right. And I guess the characters never even find out. Just we, the audience, learn that. In the draft I read, so far survivors go down into a, like a passageway, see a giant queen vampire.
1: <gasps> like how giant are we talking?
0: It was reminiscent of aliens. Ooh. Like the queen aliens. Uh-huh. And like, if I'm not mistaken, it's, oh. it's been a long time and the script got stolen from me. I don't remember if they kill it or just look at it, but... It isn't long before they then return to the supply room and get back on track.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. But really, it more just served for exposition to let everybody know that like, hey, this bar, it's a Mayan temple. Crap. (laughs) Uh, Whereas Rodriguez just showed it. Right. Also, at the end, the Juliet Lewis character says, hey, take me to El Rey. And Clooney goes, no.
1: Yeah. He goes, do you have any idea what El Rey is like?
0: El Rey is hell. In the script, she goes, take me with you. And he goes, you're
1: right. Really? Get in. I don't know why. I guess because I'm a girl, I was identified with Juliet Lewis' character. Like, I just go, oh, sure. yeah, you know, what if I were her in this movie? Thought 12-year-old cat watching this movie mm. way before I should have. And even this time watching it, I was mad at him for not taking her along. Like, the least you could do. You've been through this, you know, bonding experience together. But... She
0: should be able to. I lost my family. I should be able to go uh, live with George Clooney.
1: Yeah. I think. Yeah, and maybe part of that is just, he's so dreamy.
0: They look like psychos.
1: Is that what they look like? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. Selma Hayek is, is, in this movie version anyway, not the script that you read, she's kind of the lead vampire-esque. But they do end up killing her.
0: They do. She dies, not at the end, like Lilith or Katrina, but just during the main brawl. Yeah. Death by Chandelier.
1: But at least before she dies, she gives us one of the most memorable dance numbers in the history of film, yep. far as I'm concerned.
0: Bikini plus snake.
1: Oh, gosh. And so we come to Lilith. Lilith in Bordello of Blood, uh, the only way to really effectively kill her, or at least keep her sleeping, is to cut her heart. Maybe. Not in twain, but in four.
0: Do they do that?
1: This is brilliant. I'm so glad that I remember and get to tell you this. There's the
0: laser, but does the laser work?
1: Okay, so first of all, we have to set this up, which is the preacher is setting up this whole grand. Uh, show that includes this huge Satan
0: oh yeah that comes likeness out like, ha, ha, that ha, comes ha, out ha, of the ha, ha. stage
1: and then the goal is to kill him with a laser but the laser we've established earlier in the film is it's is kind of on the fritz but uh, it works in just the moment when it needs to because they have Lilith they've cornered her they've it's the final showdown Dennis Miller and Erica Leniac have her on the stage actually this is the, kind of the only moment in this movie where I was like that was kind of fun and clever the laser I guess it's programmed cut across into the Satan sure, and and it's this incredibly high powered laser that clearly isn't really a laser.
0: it's like chest. an industrial laser it as is. opposed to a laser light laser
1: and it's it cuts across into right into the center of the chest of Lilith the vampire which of course it cuts her heart into four pieces you know I love the crypt keeper I love tales from the crypt this movie for me was always walking that fine line and it just wasn't it, the campiness of it wasn't sweet enough for me it just didn't quite work. There were parts of it I liked. I love Corey Feldman. I thought Dennis... I liked Dennis Miller more than I thought I would.
0: Yeah. But it was still He, he had a, a very weird. 80s Bill Murray Weisenheimer-ness.
1: Yeah. Which you kind of need sometimes in a horror film. I mean, I get Most it. of
0: which I'm convinced Dennis Miller came up with on the set. Which means as weak as the script was, it was weaker. Yeah. Before he came on board.
1: <laughs> yep. Indeed. Why is that crazy? Because I advanced a singular theory that the perpetrator of our crimes is an eternal spirit who sustains itself solely through the intake of human hemoglobin through a set of protracted fangs. Vamp, though. I actually liked it more than I thought I would.
0: I'm, I'm glad you did. Vamp got to me first. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was young and impressionable. However much cheese it has it'll always be um a little scarier a little more original to me cuz it is original
1: I thought Vamp was fun there was a, a small amount of snappy dialogue and some silliness to be had and I mean the Grace Jones kind of performance piece is bizarre she's not you know a traditional stripper and I love that they sort of acknowledge um
0: She's kind of arty
1: She exactly well, yeah the, what I mean by traditional is like she's, she's not up there like the first stripper that we see who's wearing a construction belt and a, a hard hat oh, like a cowgirl quickly takes those off. It's not Grace Jones's character doesn't do anything like it. And they acknowledge how weird her dance is by sort of giving stunned silence after her performance. And then a slow clap. The men yeah. are all like, I don't know what to think of this, but I think I liked it. It's just Vamp took itself a little bit more seriously in the right places than I expected it to because uh, it was Grace Jones as a head vampire. I just thought it would be silly. And it is,
0: but uh, it's fun. Years later, when I would read some Neil Gaiman, he would get into uh, like a goddess, working at a strip club Uh as her last means of being worshipped on on a low level kind of way. And then again, he wrote about like a goddess as a prostitute who used to be worshipped for realsies and now just kind of gets it a little, you know, at a time. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the time I read them, I was already very familiar with the concept through Vamp yeah, where uh, ancient Grace Jones, who was once probably worshipped by her many followers, now just gets it where she can in a grimy strip club. Wrapping up, I did wonder, Kat, if you were to hang out at any of these three establishments and there were no vampires, the strippers were just human strippers, which of the three would you choose?
1: Well, I'd like to hang out at the Titty Twister, but I don't think I would fit in there and or kind of even survive a non-vampire Titty Twister because, you know, it's just like truckers and I don't think I'd do well. But the... Uh, so well, I, let, I'd me, let me there. pose it like this. Uh-huh.
0: Which would you rent out for a bachelorette party?
1: uh if it were i love the titty twister I'm sticking with it so
0: do I okay first of all both the titty twister and the after dark club both of them have a pool table mm-hmm. and a stage show but the titty twister has a live band
1: sure does
0: and you can get food yep and it's got a cheerier uh decorum it does uh whereas the after dark club is just dank
1: it's bleak there's just old dudes like sad and
0: it's, it's depressing.
1: unhappy marriages and yeah
0: if i wanted to go to the titty twister i'd have to build it myself <laughs> if i wanted to go to the after dark club i can find one in van nuys which is sick i'd also then,
1: i'd move grace jones into the titty twister so we could watch her show too though
0: great double yeah, bill i know as for the, the bordello it's if you like a really tacky New Orleans style bordello with about a foot of mist on the ground and
1: one extra nipple
0: and one extra nipple, Mm -hmm. then check that one out. Yeah. Weighing all of them. I also choose the titty twister.
1: All right. Good. I'm glad we agree on that. Uh, so that about wraps us up for vampires strip clubs slash bordellos thank you for being along for this disgusting and sometimes really sexy ride stay tuned to the podcast for future episodes about all kinds of stuff you're really gonna love it make sure to follow us on twitter at boys and ghouls
0: And uh, you can write to us with any ideas for future episodes or just thoughts in general at boysandghouls at gmail.com.
1: And also, if you are on Tumblr, you can follow us at boysandghoulspodcast.tumblr.com.
0: You can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you want to just drop us a line and tell us how you heard of us, uh, we'd love to know.
1: So thank you so much for listening. Let us know what you think. And as always, beware the moon. They can